Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. The first three conversation excerpts are from the recent 2019 Christian Product Expo International in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Tim and Debbie Bishop are adventurers and have had a number of wonderful experiences as bicyclists, including a ride across the country. In that CPE International conversation, they shared about some of their discoveries and lessons learned. You'll be hearing from them. Plus, comments from Carol Kent. She spoke at the CPE International event and shares about our hope in Christ and how he will express his presence even in the midst of trying circumstances. And in another CPE conversation, children's author Michelle Medlock-Adams brings insight into some of the messages that she relates to children and how she writes in order to connect with them. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, a t-shirt printer in Kentucky has been in and out of court due to his decision some seven years ago to decline to print shirts promoting a gay pride event. He received a positive outcome from the state Supreme Court recently. Providing some analysis is attorney Jim Campbell of the Alliance Defending Freedom. Finally, the Life Application Study Bible for several decades has been a go-to resource to help people study God's Word. Ron Beers has overseen a process of updating and revising this Bible product and brings insight about the contents of the latest edition. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Now to Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2019 Christian Product Expo in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I had the opportunity to chat with Tim and Debbie Bishop. They discussed their book, Wheels of Wisdom, Life Lessons for the Restless Spirit, and related experiences and life lessons based on their long-distance bicycle journeys. From that conversation, here are Tim and Debbie Bishop. Well, mostly we trained by being on our bicycles every day. Uh We mentioned for the first tour, we were bicycling 15 days in a row, and that really got us into really good shape. And from the beginning of the time, we, we left Oregon in July, and we got to the East Coast on our first trip, in September, like September 1st. And there is a markedly different appearance of both of us. I mean, obviously we were tanner, but we just, I felt so strong when we finished. So it's just really doing it day by day, one day at a time. Tim, give us an overview as you look at some of the the common lessons, some of the common principles with respect to the walk in Christ, the Christian walk. What are some of the things that you would want people to take away or glean from this Wheels of Wisdom book? You can do more than you think you can would be ah, okay. one thing. Uh, perseverance is another strong element. Uh, riding through storms, uh, you know, there's things that happen and you'll find out you come out the other end of that better prepared to for the road ahead, essentially. So uh, there's just so many, uh, e- even some of the encounters that we had with people, how God orchestrates the timing of events mm-hmm. is mind-boggling. We, we ran into a lady in Ohio, uh, a waitress, who, you know, we're, we were on this uh, tour in 2014 to raise money for the Hope Line, and a lot of that ministry is uh, intervening in suicide youth Uh, and her son was thinking of killing himself and she basically sat down beside Debbie when she found out what we were doing and she said this is a God thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it just blew our mind because here we were 
from Oregon to Ohio, of all the places we could have been, and she just needed to be ministered to at that time. Well, there's something about, Debbie, letting God order your steps. Mm -hmm. Of course, in your case, you're talking about the ordering the course of your, your bicycling, but there's something to be said, obviously, about allowing the Lord to put you in places where he can use you for ministry. Oh, definitely. I was thinking when, uh, with one of the lessons, we ended up, we ended in Pennsylvania, even though our original plan was to end on the East Coast. We were about 400 miles short. And um, one day we left church. We'd try to go to church during our bike trips every, you know, every Sunday. And so we were leaving and I fell off my bike and this couple saw us on the side of the road, stopped picked us up, you know, well, they actually had to call their friend to come and pick us up in his pickup truck. And they took care of us, took me to the hospital, um, waited for me at the hospital, called their pastor over to pray for us. And it was an amazing time. And I just, there's so many good people in America. And I think Mm. that was one of my lessons on the road was just seeing the good people in America. Yeah, in that case, we were the recipients of God's grace and timing. It it just blew us away. Tim and Debbie Bishop joining me today, CPE International in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. This is the Meeting House on Faith Radio. Well, you've written the book, Wheels of Wisdom. You mentioned the ministry of the Hope Line. Dawson McAllister, I tell you what, he has been doing what he has been doing, ministering to young people across America for quite some time. I had the pleasure of meeting him at a conference. We were both at a conference together in St. Paul, Minnesota. It was many years ago, and there was, during the course of the conference, there was a tornado warning that was issued. And so I remember being in a, there was this, underground tunnel under one of the buildings at the college where the conference was being held and there I was trapped with Dawson McAllister well not necessarily trapped but we were in the (laughs) tunnel waiting out this tornado warning and I guess you know you think if this is it then no no better person to be with than Dawson so you guys are involved with the Hope Line ministry Debbie tell me just a bit about that and your involvement Um, we've been involved since about 2011 Um, We came down to Nashville for a little mission trip and went on a tour, and we just really wanted to be hope coaches. And kids call in. um, Actually, they don't call in anymore. Sorry. They chat in. (laughs) Kids don't talk on the phone. They just uh, text, and they do chats, and we just help them with whatever issues they have. And the ministry is set up where we have, we, we talk to them as, you know, as long as they need, but then we bring them resources. Tim and Debbie Bishop here on The Intersection. Find out more by going to the website, openroadpress.com. More now from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2019 Christian Product Expo in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. In our conversation, Carol Kent gave some observations on Christian retail and shared a summary of her message that she had given at CPE and the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association Conference. She is founder of Speak Up Conferences and Speak Up for Hope. She's authored the book, He Holds My Hand, Experiencing God's Presence and Protection. Here now is Carol Kent. I thank God for those Christian retailers who are still doing the job that is not only a business, but it's a ministry. Absolutely. And there's that personal 
interaction that is so important. And I have a great love for just the whole concept of the bookstore and specifically the Christian bookstore, because Christian bookstores still have that opportunity to do one-on-one ministry Mm -hmm. with people. I have a dear friend who did not know the Lord, and we were teaching buddies in my early 20s. And I had witnessed to her so many times, and she had tried every philosophy under the sun, and she was a reader. And uh, she said, when, one January, she went into a Christian bookstore, and she said, I would like to buy a copy of the Bible. And she had no idea. There were like 55 <laughs> different copies of the Bible in that particular store. And she said to the manager, I didn't know there were so many types of Bibles. What would you recommend? And uh, she put in my friend's hand the Life Application Bible. Hmm. My friend not only read the entire Bible that year, but she read every Life Application note. And halfway through that year, she gave her heart to Jesus through the reading of the Word prompted by a Christian retailer who saw a hungry seeker looking for Jesus. And so I could practically weep thinking about the fact that God used that Christian bookstore owner to point my friend to Christ. Carol Kent joining us today here on The Meeting House on Faith Radio, CPE International, the Christian Product Expo in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And Carol, you have, as I mentioned, you've been here for now four days as we're having this conversation, and you're about to wrap up your time here in Murfreesboro, and you've had the opportunity to speak and inspire and train. So you did the worship service on Sunday morning. What did you share? Well, I shared from Peter, and I talked about the fact that uh, we're going through trouble, just like the people Peter was addressing in the scripture. And uh, the fact that these were the times of the, the dark shadows when, when it was a difficult time to be a believer. And then we went over to James and we talked about that incredible verse that, that talks about that we will go through diverse and various trials. And I told them trials are inevitable. And uh, they will come because we live in a fallen world. And trials are for a purpose. And uh, some of your listeners know that my son was arrested for a very serious crime. They've read When I Lay My Isaac Down, and they may know he's serving a life sentence in prison. So I've known some sorrow. And I had people come up and say, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And at that point in my life, I kind of wanted to knock their lights out because they were not going through my trouble. But I told our audience this morning that we need to read Romans 8.29 with Romans 8.28 because that verse has God's goal for our life in it. And that's those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And suffering was part of the process for the Lord Jesus Christ. And for most of us, there will be some suffering along the way because we're not home yet. Mm. And then we talked about that little word, various. I count it all joy when you go through diverse or various trials in James 1, 2. And it's from the same group, Greek root word from which we get the word polka dots. So James, under Holy Spirit inspiration, is saying, look out, folks, if you're alive and you're a Christian, your life will literally be polka dotted with trials. And I pointed out that some of us are here at this conference in a big black polka dot. Life has been hard. And Bob, I know you and I both know people who are going through the crucible of pain. Maybe there are people listening right now who are suffering from cancer. Some have had children who are in rebellion 
and running away from every biblical principle the parents ever taught them. And there are others who are discouraged because finances have been very, very tight. And others read the news and they get depressed. And uh, I'm just here to say that when you're in the black polka dot, it's hard to find hope. But there are Mm. so many times when we realize that there will be better times when we choose to say, Lord, I will not waste what is happening in my life. I will use it as a platform upon which I can praise your name. And uh, when I visit my son in prison, I just tell him, hold on to hope give out the word of God, and I praise the Lord that he's living for things that will outlast his life. Carol Kent here on The Intersection. Learn more by going to the website carolkent.org. Michelle Medlock Adams visited Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at CPE International 2019. And in the course of our conversation, she shared about how she communicates God's truth to children and highlighted some of her books, including How Much Does God Love You? Here now from that conversation, including some comments about that book, is Michelle Medlock Adams. This is one of my favorites it, because I think with kids, especially this for this age group, it's a little board book. It's all done in rhyme, not very many words, beautiful illustrations by Paige Kaiser. They're so beautiful. She really brought the words to life. Um, but if you can get kids to understand when they're between, you know two and five between that age group how much God loves them like truly loves them that he loves every fiber of them that he loves them when they're acting good and when they're acting not so good and when they're sick and when they're healthy and when they're when when they don't feel good about themselves like God loves them I think if you can get that truth into their hearts at a young age everything else kind of hangs on that it's, it's I think so many children today grow up not knowing that their heavenly father adores them they think he's mad at them or that he's some big god in the sky with a stick that's gonna you know knock them on the head whenever they mess up and that isn't the god that we serve sure there are consequences for things but but he loves us and he just he wants a relationship and so that's what i wanted to communicate in in these few rhyming words is just how big and how great and how much he loves every single person Why don't you share maybe an example or two that you include in the book that just really shows us the the greatness and the vastness of of God's love? Well, that's part of, I think, writing for kids. You have to, like I said, see the world as they see it. And so I try to take scriptures and then make them really um, in the kids' terms. So I talk about, you know, kids can see how big the ocean is. Or they can, if you say, if I would tell my grandson who's two, we're going to have to walk all the way. He would say, that's so far. So I've got a spread that talks about he'd walk a million miles for you, and that is really far. Like I, I talk about how, how wide his love is and how deep it is in the ocean. And, and, and so those kinds of things. And then I, I relate it to even fun little things. I like that he, you know, he loves you as much as like you love a great popsicle or something. Like he, as much as you love this, God loves you even more. So you try to find things that kids love and then equate it to that. God loves you even more than that. And I, and I've, I got, I got to read this to several children's groups um, at various schools, the Christian schools, and the response, that's how you know if you've got one that's going to be good, is the response. And nobody was punching each other, rolling on the floor. They were, kept their attention. They, they laughed at the right parts. And they were, you, know, you could really see that it was resonating. And I, boy, when that happens, it's just, you're like, okay, it was totally worth it. Everything I've ever, that's, you're so excited when you get that response. And so I love this book, and I love that kids are loving it. Michelle Medlock-Adams joining us today, CPE International 2019 in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. This is The Meeting House on Faith Radio. Well, we've been talking about this this new book that you've written that's entitled How Much Does God Love You? So let's talk about the importance of, of children really knowing that and getting it into their minds and into their spirits. Yes. 
you know, we do serve a God who loves us unconditionally. And a child growing up without that knowledge of God, that can really affect them throughout their lives, even later in lives into their adult lives. Comment on that if you would. That is so true. And I think I, I, I see that more because I do write also for women and I do a lot of women's conferences around the nation. And so after I've, um, you know, spoken, many times we'll have a prayer time around the altar. And when I'm, when I'm ministering to these women, so many times it's, they just don't know how much God loves them. They've Mm -hmm. lived their whole lives not knowing that their heavenly father not only has a plan for them, but it's a good plan that tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, and that he loves them and that he loves them unconditionally. It doesn't matter what they've done. If they confess their sins and repent, he, he's right there. He's, he's, he died on the cross for them. And I, and I, and I always think, boy, if they'd known that, if they'd known that before now, how different their life could have been. And it makes me sad, although we start right then and there's, you know, God picks right yep. up right there. But I, I, so I always think, man, if I could, I wish I could have got a hold of them when they were like two or three. And it's always been so important. And I know with my girls, they're both, um, one, my Abby, my oldest is married to a, a praise and worship minister. At, he is at Northeast uh, Christian Church in Lexington, Kentucky. And my youngest daughter just had our, our third grandchild, little baby girl, and they're both serving God. And, and I think that started, we can take no credit for it. When they were really little, when we said their prayers at night, we, I would have them say things out loud, confess it with me, that God loves me so much. Wow. You know, with little kids, I don't know if you've ever done this with any kids, or, but you'll say, God loves me so much, and you do how big your arms are, you know, like, and, and so we would do that every night before they went to bed, and that's what I wanted to convey in this book, is that God loves you so much, nothing you could do, because the Word tells us, can separate us from God's love, nothing can separate us from that, and I think kids need to know that, they need to know that God's love is unconditional, it doesn't matter, you're going to drop the ball sometimes, you're not going to always do the best thing because we're human we're going to make mistakes but to know that your heavenly father still loves you Mm. and that he's there to to help you pick up the pieces and move forward man if you can get that when you're little your life can be so powerful there's there's i just feel like there's no there's no limits if they if we can get that truth in their hearts at that young age through just a simple rhyme but god his word never returns void and since the this is based on the fact that god loves them i know it's going to do the work it was sent to do Michelle Madlock-Adams here on The Intersection. Find out more by going to her website, michellemadlockadams.com. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. At that homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center marked Meeting House On Demand through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast. You can find the podcast in the Media Center. It's also available via iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content, including recently added content from the CPE International event held recently in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Conversations from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app. Learn about downloading it for your smartphone or tablet by visiting faithradio.org. Conversations are also available through a number of podcast platforms. Learn more when you visit the Meeting House homepage. Senior Counsel for the Alliance Defending Freedom, Jim Campbell, visited with me recently and discussed a positive ruling out of the Kentucky Supreme Court on behalf of T-shirt printer Blaine Adamson of Hands-On Originals, who declined to print shirts for a gay pride event. Here now is Jim Campbell. In 2012, Blaine was asked to print shirts promoting the local pride festival. 
Um, it was something that he couldn't do in good conscience, given his Christian beliefs. So what he did is what he does every time he's faced with a request that has a message he can't in good conscience print. He offered to connect them to another print shop that would do the work for the same price he would have charged. Unfortunately, uh, the group wasn't interested in that. So what they did was um, they <clears throat> went to the local government and they filed a discrimination complaint against Blaine, and that launched the beginning of the case. Uh, quickly, the commission issued a ruling finding that what Blaine did was, in fact, a violation of the local uh, the local law, and it ordered him to print shirts with messages that violate his faith, and it also ordered him to attend diversity training. And so what we then did is started a process of appealing to, through the Kentucky court system, and at every level of appeal, at the Kentucky trial court, the court of appeals, and now at the state Supreme Court, we won the case. And so as as this has made its way up, obviously, when you have the lower court rulings that was appealed, went on to the next level, Kentucky Supreme Court. By the way, just while I'm thinking about it, let me ask you this. Is, can this go further? Could it end up in a in a federal court conceivably? So this particular case is no over. The, the ruling doesn't provide any basis to ask the only other court that's higher than the Kentucky Supreme Court, which is the U.S. Supreme Court, to review the case. So, no, there is there is no basis for this case to go any further. So as as this case made its way up through the lower courts now at the Kentucky Supreme Court, that positive ruling, what was the sentiment of the justices as they issued their ruling? So what the justices said is that this case never should have happened in the first place. They said that the, the law at issue only allowed uh, organizations, uh, I'm sorry, only allowed individuals to file these complaints, but this complaint was filed by an organization, and therefore they threw the case out. Um, now, one of the, the judges on the court did specifically address the important First Amendment claims at issue, and that judge said very clearly that what the commission was trying to do here was in violation of uh, Blaine Adamson's re- religious beliefs and, more, uh, in addition to that, his First Amendment freedoms. And so what that judge said very clearly is that when you're a business owner and you're willing to serve everyone, but you just don't want to print messages that violate your religious beliefs, that that's your First Amendment right to do so. There is a need, as Alliance Defending Freedom and other legal organizations are saying, for the U.S. Supreme Court to perhaps issue a stronger message, stronger guidance than it did in the, say, uh, Masterpiece Cake Shop decision. That's exactly right. Um, what the courts have done in these recent decisions is pretty uniformly ruled in favor of the creative professionals. Um, so over the course of the last six months, even going back particularly to the Masterpiece Cake Shop decision, courts are ruling in favor of, of these individuals, but they're not going, oftentimes, they're not going to the heart of the question, which is whether a creative professional that serves everyone can decline to print a message or create art that expresses a message contrary to what they believe. Um, and so we're encouraging the U.S. Supreme Court to do that right now through a case involving Baronelle Stutzman, who you mentioned before. Baronelle is a floral artist in the state of Washington, and her case involves a longtime customer, a customer that she served for nearly a decade. Uh, She always knew that he was gay, and that never mattered to her. She was happy to work with him, but one day he came in and asked her to create the flowers to celebrate his same-sex wedding, and that was not something that that she could do in good conscience, and so she declined. She offered to connect him to three other three other local florists. Um, But unfortunately, 
you know, again, we have another instance where there was a lawsuit filed, and now uh, six years later, Baronelle finds herself before the U.S. Supreme Court asking for clarity on this very important question involving First Amendment rights. Jim Campbell here on The Intersection. The Alliance Defending Freedom website is adflegal.org. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's the general editor of the Life Application Study Bible, third edition, Ron Beers, who discussed the background of the Study Bible and the changes that have been made for this most recent edition. He serves as Senior Vice President and Group Publisher for Tyndale House Publishers. From a recent conversation, this is Ron Beers. We were noticing that there were lots of notes on topics like ephods and phylacteries and purification jars and uh, items like that, but there weren't any notes on life-related topics. So there were notes on wormwood, but there wasn't a single note in any of these study Bibles about worry. There were Hmm. notes on the region of Pamphylia, but there were no notes on priorities or purpose or peace. So uh, we thought, well, boy, if the Bible is a blueprint for living, then it should have a lot to say about all the needs and challenges that we face in daily life. And sure enough, as we dug into it, the Bible has a lot to say about all the daily challenges uh, that we face. And, uh, and so that's what we set out to do, is to create a study Bible that, um, that, that got into the meaning. We wanted to get into the meaning, obviously, and we wanted to, to discuss important terms, but we wanted to take it a step further and say, you know, so what and now what? Um, and the so what is, so what does this mean for my life? How can I live out my faith? And then now what? Now what can I do as a result of what I've learned? So believe it or not, there's a lot of great application, even with uh, the phylacteries, which are you know those <laughs> prayer boxes that the Pharisees wore on their wrists and on their foreheads. <laughs> now, now tell me, and I have a, a perception here, but you can help straighten me out here with respect to the the translation or translations of the original Life Application Study Bible. Was I, I know NIV was one of them. Were there more, or was that it for uh, for that particular time? Uh, no, there were many. We started out with the uh, the Living Bible, actually. This okay. was before the New Living Translation was developed, and then it came out in the NIV, and it is out in the King James, the New King James, um, the New Revised Standard, the New American Standard. It's out in, in multiple, um, the Christian Standard um, edition. Uh, it's out in, in many different translations, and I think that has helped um, with the popularity as well, where it is available in in the translation of your choice. Sure. Now, this is the third edition that has recently been released. At what point along the timeline did the second edition come along? The second edition was maybe 10 years ago, and that those were just very minor changes. Mostly, we, we added a few new notes, um, uh, but but it was it was just very minor changes. This third edition... Um, about 90 percent, I mean, every single note and feature was evaluated. About 90 percent of the notes and features were, you know, changed in some way. Some were just, you know, in tone and uh, language, which has changed. But about 30 to 35 percent of the Bible is all new. So there, there are hundreds of new notes and features. It's the first time that the Life Application Bible has been in color, an all-new typesetting, which uh, makes it easier to read. 
so a lot, uh, it's, it's, it's the first really major, major revision. And, and we wanted it to be, you know, it, it, is, it has been relevant for the last generation. And we really felt a burden to uh, help it maintain its relevance for this generation and, and the next. You're not making changes to God's Word itself, but you are being used of God to help His people interpret the Word. So there's an incredible responsibility on, on you and your team, no doubt. And I, I think on this revision, we took actually more seriously than the first time around because um, we see how God has used this and and we just we didn't want to mess up we wanted to say all right holy spirit you take over and uh please show us what uh, what to do one thing that um i would like to say is that um you know the bible text in any study bible the sacred text has to always be front and center and so one of the unique aspects of all the bible notes is uh, the bible notes have three parts one is an explanation a bridge and an application. So the explanation is the first part of the note, and that always sends you back to the Scripture to read the Scripture, because we want the Scripture to be front and center, and we, we want people to understand the Scripture and then apply it. And so the bridge is the relevant, state, the relevant statement, and then the application is the now what. So now that you've learned this timeless truth that God is trying to communicate— now, what can we do to live this out in our lives and live as transformed disciples of Jesus? Ron Beers here on The Intersection. Find out more by going to lifeapplication.com. We're nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. Through that homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast. Conversations from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app. Learn more about downloading it for your smartphone or tablet through faithradio.org. Conversations are also available through a number of podcast platforms. Learn more when you go to meetinghouseonline.info. And through the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Intersection podcast. It's available through the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House, and the other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page, and there's a link to video content. Again, the address is meetinghouseonline.info or visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.